Now on the news hour, wedding day tragedy, two dead and 10 injured as a celebration turns tragic. Plus. Every day there's a couple of communities, sometimes bigger, sometimes smaller. Hospitals and ambulances still sitting unstaffed. The wait time risk province-wide and. It really picks up all the cetaceans that are acoustically active as they're passing, which is amazing. The soundtrack of the sea, how humans are tapping into the music of marine mammals. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. The aftermath of a tragic crash on the North Shore. The site of a celebration abruptly cut short on Saturday remains littered with the remnants of a wedding tonight, 24 hours later. At almost exactly this time yesterday evening, police say the driver of a vehicle somehow crashed into a group of people, leaving two dead and 10 injured. Good evening and thank you for joining us. That tragedy in West Vancouver is where we begin our coverage tonight. As so many questions remain unanswered with two people dead and 10 others hospitalized in conditions ranging from critical to stable. Travis Prasad now with our top story. At the end of a long winding driveway, the front gate of a house badly damaged. The aftermath of what appears to be a horrible accident. West Vancouver police got the call around 6 p.m. on Saturday about an SUV hitting a group of wedding guests. Police say the driver was a neighbor. The driver, a female in her 60s, was leaving her garage when she accelerated forward on a shared driveway, crashing into multiple indiv individuals who were attending the wedding. It happened at a secluded property on Keith Road near Taylor Way, not visible from the street. The heavy emergency response, 11 ambulances and an air ambulance showing the severity of the situation. Paramedics scrambling to reach the victims. Two people were killed. Ten more were taken to hospital, two of them in critical condition. It doesn't seem to be anything intentional or criminal. It just seems to be an accident and a very, very sad situation. Uh, our investigators are still working to determine the cause of the collision. And so um, at this point, uh, there have been no charges laid. A day later, the cleanup begins after a wedding that will be remembered for all the wrong reasons. Travis Prasad, Global News. To the ongoing emergency health care crisis in this province, as the number of communities in Metro Vancouver and the Fraser Valley said to be understaffed by paramedics or unstaffed altogether continues to climb. And tonight, more hospital emergency rooms are closed as well as the health care system continues to spiral. Grace Key reports. In Mission, if you call 911 with a medical emergency, you might be waiting a while for an ambulance. All three of their ambulances have been unstaffed and sitting empty for the day shift. And to uh, make matters worse, Abbotsford's severely understaffed as well today. So Abbotsford has, I believe, six or seven ambulances on during the day, and right now there's three staffed. On Saturday, Maple Ridge was understaffed. The union is making these public service announcements to put a spotlight on what they say are unprecedented understaffed levels. Currently right now, there's 725 or 750 full-time positions that are unfilled. 
And we're going to post those soon through the ambulance service. But there's not 750 new employees to fill those positions. This comes as temporary emergency department closures continue in rural hospitals due to staffing shortages. The weekend saw various overnight closures affecting the Nicola Valley Hospital in Merritt, Dr. Helmkin Memorial Hospital in Clearwater, the South Okanagan General Hospital in Oliver, and the McKenzie and District Hospital. For paramedics, issues have surrounded pay. They say they get 30% less than comparable first responders. Working conditions, mental health, and patient assessment. This is going to get much worse as time goes on because there's just nothing in place that we can see that's going to address any of these issues. A statement from BC Emergency Health Services reads in part, we are closely monitoring staffing levels across BC and taking actions to fill shifts as quickly as possible when they are vacant. As a standing policy, BCEHS sends the closest available ambulance to 911 medical emergencies. So depending on your emergency, you could be waiting a while for an ambulance. Grace Key, Global News. We are nearing the end of the first weekend since the province began rationing liquor sales at government-run stores due to the ongoing strike at liquor distribution centers. And as Kamal Kermali explains, the limits have many in the already beleaguered bar and restaurant industry concerned about a long-term hangover. It's been a weekend that's seen drinks pouring out quicker than the supply has been pouring in. It's just going to be a struggle for everybody. The BC Liquor Distribution Branch began rationing the number of liquor items an individual, bar or restaurant can buy each day, only allowing the sale of three of the same item because of an ongoing strike at distribution centers. Friday and Saturday night saw the drinks flow, Sunday the hangover. We had a good weekend, or we've had a good weekend, so it made a big dent. So restaurants have had to shake things up, substituting ingredients where they can. We've had calls, so what can we substitute this for now? Because we don't have this anymore. How can we substitute this? So it's just going to get worse. Restaurants with limited ability to restock. This is not going to last very long. So we're all we're going to see shortages. I think Wednesday this week we're going to see a lot of people in trouble. At BC liquor stores. Empty hole, empty hole, empty hole. Missing items on shelves, frustrating customers. Everybody's nervous that they can't buy more than three of what they want. Some resorting to panic buying. Stocking up before the supply dries up. It's really frustrating to be caught in the middle here. By its very nature, job action is about inconvenience. It is the most powerful tool in the toolbox for working people is to withdraw their labor. But there's concern that tool will hammer businesses' bottom line. If we carry on till next weekend, it's going to be very, very bad for a lot of businesses. There'll be places, there'll be businesses that'll have to lay people off and, and close. The liquor distribution branch said it can't speculate on inventory levels. Now a hope both the union and government can stir up a solution soon. Kamal Karamali, Global News. Airlines are pushing back against a new federal proposal that would force them to refund or rebook passengers if their flights are cancelled. Under the proposed policy, airlines are required to provide passengers with a new flight within 48 hours or otherwise fully refund the passenger. Airlines will be able to dispute refunds. However, passengers can choose to appeal as well. Air passengers' rights groups are also unhappy, insisting this policy actually benefits the airlines. They are trying now to create rules that will help airlines to keep passengers' money. If the airline cancels a flight for reasons outside its control, but offers passengers a rebooking within 48 hours. 
And the problem with that is that um, you may not need a flight within 48 hours because you may be just going for a uh, for, you know, short weekend getaway. That controversial new policy is set to come into effect on September 8th. A once top-ranked tennis player has been fined under B.C.'s Emergency Program Act for hosting a party during pandemic restrictions last year. Grant Connell was ticketed under the province's COVID measures order last August for organizing or hosting a non-compliant gathering or event at his home in West Vancouver on May 15th of 2021. Connell disputed the ticket in North Vancouver Provincial Court this past February, but was found guilty and ordered to pay the $2,300 fine by the end of March. Connell, who was once the number one ranked doubles player in the world in the mid-90s, suffered a stroke while jogging in February of 2020 and spent months recovering at GF Strong Rehab Center. RCMP and the Interior are wondering if there are more victims who have yet to come forward after a woman was arrested and accused of fraudulently providing medical cosmetic procedures out of her home in Kamloops. We get that story from CFJC News, but first a warning, there are images of needles and injections in the story. Like this prey on customers with the sort of intention to uh, lure them in with uh, cheaper prices. The team at Skin Kamloops has been busy in recent weeks working to save botched cosmetic procedures. We've been inundated, uh, inundated with calls, people coming in, people sending us emails, uh, people are disfigured, people have complications that are manageable for the most part. Luckily, Dr. Brink and his staff can usually help fix the problem, but in some cases, the only solution is time. Most of these problems are fixable. The only concern that I've said to you off camera is that some of these products that people are promised to have in their lips or their face, we might not understand the, the true extent of that, whether it's actually the products that she's promising to be injecting in those areas. The story came to light earlier this week as the Kamloops RCMP made an arrest and searched a North Shore home. Corporal Crystal Evelyn noted more victims could still be out there. Police received several reports involving failed or botched um, cosmetic procedures. So based on the number of complaints that we received, we do have reason to believe there might be more people out there with information related to this investigation who haven't yet come forth. Dr. Brink highlighted that cosmetic work needs to be conducted in a safe environment where any possible complications can be quickly addressed. If somebody that has no training uh, attempts these procedures, the complication risk is very high. It can vary from uh, bleeding, bruising, swelling, lumps, disfigurement. But in worst case scenarios, it can lead to vascular complications. Thank you for calling Skin Nicole speaking. How can I help you? For those looking to receive a procedure, Brink had one simple lesson. We encourage people to credential your injector, make sure that they have been well educated and that they certified with the colleges that uh, that look after them. Michael Reeves, CFJC News. Coming up, the eagle's nest sticking in the craw of a major development project. They fly over this area pretty much every day. The battle over the placement of this home to make way for the construction of new ones for humans plus. Totem pole rising, the triumphant installation on Haida Gwaii and the traditions and culture reinforced right alongside it. That's after the break. 
A group of residents in the UBC Endowment Lands has launched a petition raising concerns about a housing development plan for the area, one that will have an impact on the habitat of some nesting eagles. Paul Johnson has details on what the university has to say about the plan and what's being done to protect one type of housing for animals while building more for humans. Who wouldn't be captivated by a bald eagle encounter in coastal BC? So you look up and they're soaring across you. It's, it's an incredible sight. Since Claire England moved to the UBC campus, she's been enchanted by the pair of bald eagles who've been nesting in this Douglas fir tree. This year they had eaglets, and their lives are carefully followed by many who live out here. They fly over this area pretty much every day. But the other thing you can see right now is this signs for new housing construction in the near future. England says those plans to house more people mean disrupting the Eagles' use of their years-old home. Everyone seems pretty against it that I've spoken to. So England and a handful of others have started a petition calling for the development plans to be changed to accommodate the Eagles instead of the other way around. We're not against housing developments at all, we're very pro them, but we just think that it could be done in an area in a different part of the endowment lands. UBC told Global News the project follows all provincial guidelines for raptor conservation and that local eagle expert Dave Hancock has been brought in to build an alternate nest for the eagles nearby. He'll soon put a metal cone atop the main nest to force them to move a method he says is successful and humane. I'm wondering whether or not the move would be harmful for the eagles. If they can find a good home somewhere else as well, then I think in that sense, maybe both parties would be pleased. I feel like we should you know, keep, keep, keep more of the uh, ecosystem like, intact without you know, building too much. Reaction on the campus was mixed, with students acknowledging both the need for more housing and the value of preserving the ecosystem. For a university whose mascot is the mythical bird of the area's first people, the future of its majestic living birds isn't taken lightly. At UBC, Paul Johnson, Global News. In Haida Gwaii, hundreds of people attended a ceremonial totem pole raising and potlatch in Old Masset this weekend. <laughs> This pole is the third totem to be raised in front of Christian White and his wife's longhouse on Old Masset. At 16 meters tall and one and a half meters wide, it is the biggest one yet. White, a Haida artist, acquired the 800-year-old red cedar log eight years ago and spent 14 months carving it with his brothers Todd and Derek. The totem is made up of the clan's crests, including a grizzly bear and a shark at its base. After the totem was hauled up to its standing position on Friday, White's family hosted a two-day potlatch to honor the living Haida. I believe we're doing what we were meant to be doing, uh, carving totem poles and having them raised and celebrating, and reviving our culture and uh, carrying on our traditions, enhancing them in a ceremonial way. Coming up, a controversial Russian figure's family member killed in a targeted blast. But was his daughter the intended target? The latest from Moscow. Plus. 
The German leader on Canadian soil. What's on the agenda as Germany looks to curb Russian oil and gas? That's after the break. Germany's leader is beginning a three-day trip to Canada. On the agenda for Olaf Scholz and Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is a deal for Canadian hydrogen as Germany looks to wean off Russian gas and oil. Kyle Benning explains. Justin Trudeau and Olaf Scholz will renew pleasantries this week when the Prime Minister hosts the German Chancellor. The visit includes meetings about a number of issues from the war in Ukraine to climate change. On the final day of the trip, leaders are in Newfoundland. There, it is expected they will sign a deal making Germany a key customer of Canada's hydrogen energy sector. While the first shipments from a proposed facility is still years away, it marks a shift towards green energy on top of helping an ally. There are sources of, of developing hydrogen, of producing hydrogen uh, in Canada that we know are going to be more and more important in the coming years. Canada's former ambassador to Germany says while specific details around this deal and others have yet to be hammered out, it's a positive step. But a lot of discussion about intention and, uh, and working together. So this, this is very much a, a planning visit. Critics say this does little for Germany's immediate dependence on Russia. Worse, Europe is contending with surging natural gas prices. Gazprom Russia's state-owned energy producer says the Nord Stream pipeline will be shut down for three days at the end of August for maintenance. This follows the federal government's decision to return a turbine for that pipeline to Europe, bypassing Russian sanctions. Earlier this month, Germany's foreign affairs minister called out President Vladimir Putin for withholding Russian energy as a political maneuver. He tried to play games with us, and now the whole world can see crystal clear that he is just using energy as a gameplay. Nord Stream is running at 20% of its capacity, and Gazprom's maintenance announcement has raised more questions. Ukraine's ambassador to Canada is calling on Ottawa to reconsider its decision to bypass the sanctions. Kyle Benning, Global News. In Russia this weekend, a suspected car bomb has killed the daughter of an ultra-nationalist who's linked to Vladimir Putin. Daria Dugina was the child of Alexandra Dugin, a prominent ideologue who's been called Putin's brain and believed to have influenced him on the invasion of Ukraine. Daria was initially traveling with her father, who then switched vehicles at some point. An explosive device beneath the car she was driving later detonated, killing her instantly. A state news agency reports that Alexander was the intended target. Hundreds of people gathered at the Vancouver Art Gallery this afternoon to stand in solidarity with Ukraine for Black Ribbon Day, ahead of the official day on Tuesday. Black Ribbon Day is an international day of remembrance for the victims of Nazism and communism in Europe. This year's event dedicated to the people of Ukraine who are fighting to preserve its sovereignty and national identity. Around the world, we have to remember that totalitarianism exists. We have to fight against it. Millions upon millions of people have been oppressed, uh, murdered, deported. So that's, to me, the most important is to not to allow it to happen again, although it is, but we have to fight together to prevent it. Those in attendance today say they hope that there will be more awareness and education to continue fighting against totalitarianism. 
It's an area better known for its desert landscape and scorching summer temperatures, but 18 million people across the southwestern U.S. are at risk of dangerous flash floods. Slow-moving storms have already stranded drivers, hikers, and even trapped a busload of schoolchildren. Flash floods turning roads into rivers across the southwest. This school bus stranded and teetering in Arizona. Nearly 30 kids taken to the safety of other vehicles through fast-moving water. They're going to put them on the back of the truck. And in Utah, Zion National Park, a search and rescue mission now underway for a person missing near a rising river. 18 million people under flood alerts from Arizona to New Mexico to Texas. Some areas facing as much as seven inches of rain. Biggest threat, of course, will be some flash flooding. Heavy rains have poured down on one of America's driest regions for weeks. This video shows a harrowing rescue operation by the Tucson Fire Department last week. This crew lowering its ladder over a river canyon. Firefighters rescuing 21 adults, three children and one baby from the rushing water. Meanwhile, in California, Death Valley National Park is reopening today after flash flooding there stranded 1,000 people two weeks ago. And a potential tropical cyclone is gathering force. Already hitting Mexico, where families woke up to flooded streets. And the storm may soon be barreling north towards Texas, where warnings are now in place along the Gulf Coast. The West, too often without water, now struggling with a dangerous deluge. Coming up, the soundtrack of the sea, how you can listen to the music of marine life with the help of some remarkable technology. That's after the break. Stay with us. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Welcome back. In Richmond, the Steveson neighborhood celebrated its maritime heritage in grand fashion this afternoon. The Royal Canadian Navy Band on hand to entertain the crowds at the Britannia Shipyards National Historic Site. Most people flocking to the dock to board historic wooden boats. High on the list of priorities for most people to see was the Providence, a sailboat built in 1903 to sail the North Sea. And the SS Master, one of a few remaining seaworthy steam-powered tugboats. It was built right here in Vancouver in False Creek a century ago. While underwater microphones have been allowing researchers to track the sounds and locations of marine mammals for years, the public can now listen to whale music on Vancouver Island. Kristen Robinson has more now on how and where humans can hear the soundtrack from beneath the waves. West of Victoria, the Sheringham Point Lighthouse in Shirley, B.C. provides more than just a view of the Salish Sea. A hydrophone or underwater microphone 15 meters offshore has been recording for more than a decade. Now, in a collaboration with the Lighthouse Society, Fisheries and Oceans has installed a speaker. When marine mammals like these humpback whales are nearby, visitors can hear their songs while watching them. I think whales are just such a majestic creature. They it's are. so cool, yeah. Just to be able to hear their sound is awesome. We thought it was really cool. We couldn't hear much at first because there was just like the sound of the boat. 
but I think if ever there's a wells, I think it'll be really nice just to be able to hear the sound. It really picks up all the cetaceans that are acoustically active as they're passing, which is amazing. Paul Cottrell with Fisheries and Oceans Canada says the area is a corridor for marine mammals, including humpback and southern resident killer whales. It's actually a real-time uh, killer whale detection site for us, so really important. The Sheringham Point Lighthouse is part of a broader tracking network. Hydrophones are set up in strategic areas around Vancouver Island where they're likely to pick up southern resident killer whales. A partnership with Google on an artificial intelligence algorithm assists with around-the-clock tracking. It's really important we're kind of monitoring their presence and absence 24-7. We're wanting to minimize any anthropogenic or human-caused threats, which include underwater noise, vessel strike risk, and any potential, if we happen to have a petroleum discharge, we need to know where the whales are to go out and help. The public can only listen for marine mammal music at a few sites, including Sheringham Point and Kelsey Bay near Sayward. That's quite neat. I think it's out in the straits far distance off. Sounded like a ship going by. I was really hoping that we could see whales, and if we could hear them, that would be cool too. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Very cool. And the Shell is here with a look at wet weather above the sea. The skies are <laughs> clear, but really hot this weekend, Yvonne, heading yeah, into Yeah, we've had some record-breaking heat, unofficial numbers for the interior. I'll show you that in just a moment. But yeah, with temperatures away from the water today, the Humidex, we were feeling into the low 30s, and it'll be a touch hotter as we get in towards the weekend. I'll show you the peak of the heat, one of the hottest days in just a moment. We have seen a fair bit of cloud cover. We've got a mainly cloudy sky to the airport, currently sitting at 22 degrees. But here's the unofficial number, Warfield, that's near Trail getting up to 36.8, the old record of 36.5 back in 2006. Lillooet climbing up there at 33.1. Burns Lake 30.8 and Chetwin today, a record high of 29.2. A few other spots and current temperatures that we're tracking right now. We're sitting at 28 for Port Alberni, so it's a hot one inland across the island. Humidex into the low 30s, even areas near Hope sitting up to 27 degrees and areas near Squamish with the current temperature at 26. Highs today for uh, Lytton, rather, 35 degrees. Kamloops topping out at 32 and trail. So that's where we saw the heat today, and it was Warfield that got that official temperature, or unofficial, rather, and we'll be able to confirm that later and leading in towards tomorrow. Now, the plan for Metro Vancouver, it's actually quite similar to what we're seeing this morning. We are going to see a bit more cloud cover. It'll be for the early morning hours and then brightening up as we get in through the afternoon. Warms up once again. The plan so far, 25 away from the water will bump up to 28 degrees. And with the Humidex, we'll be feeling into the low 30s, so be prepared for the heat. Bit of instability right now, still along the central interior, still tracking a few lightning strikes and extending in towards the southeastern corners of the province. Futurecast, we put it into place. We've got cloud cover for all areas across the south coast. Northern and western regions of the island may even see a bit of drizzle for the early morning hours and then it should dissipate and dry out. Concern will be for the afternoon for the central and southern interior. We'll look at that risk of thunderstorms once again. And we could see lightning across the region. Big concern. We've had hot and dry conditions. No significant rain in the forecast and the fire danger rating still sitting at high throughout much of the province. It's blanketed in orange and we've got a few spotty areas sitting at extreme, so please be very diligent in the coming days. The surge in temperature is one of the hottest days away from the water in the Fraser Valley into the low 30s will be for Wednesday along the south coast of Metro Vancouver and areas and towards the interior will see one of the hottest days 
on Thursday getting into the upper 30s. So a heads up, we're still tracking the heat in the coming in the coming days. Now the northeastern corners of the province could see a little bit of instability. Most areas across the central and southern half will still track that heat. It'll be that risk of thunderstorms and then along the south coast we've got a bit more cloud cover for the morning. It brightens up through the afternoon. That range in temperatures tomorrow up to 28 with the Humidex 34, one of the hottest days to highlight. And a heads up will be on Wednesday with that temperature between 27 and 31. Sarah? Okay, Yvonne, thanks. We'll catch up with you soon. A vintage look on the North Shore today, all in the aim of helping the fight against cancer. Cruise the Shore is back in North Vancouver for the first time since 2019. It took place in Edgemont Village today, and the cars were front and center. The annual rally is a family-friendly affair and helps raise money for the BC Cancer Foundation. We know that one, of, one in two people will hear the words, you have cancer in their lifetime. So we are focused on um, raising funds for British Columbians for patient care and research. The funds stay here in BC. There were all sorts of things to do beyond the cars as well, and the crowds were clearly excited after the pandemic return. An exhausted Burnaby man has shattered a world record when it comes to chin-ups. <laughs> He is finally finished. Marcus De Silva performed 7,087 chin-ups in 24 hours, finishing just this morning. The old record was 5,400. Coincidentally, a man from New York State attempted the same thing this weekend, apparently, but stopped after hearing about his Canadian counterpart. Congratulations, Marcus. He's going to be sore <laughs> tonight. Well, he tried to break it before and failed, right? He's so already he, tried once before. You know what he did? He yep. kept his chin up. Okay. And <laughs> Barry okay. Delay with the dad jokes coming in. <laughs> it's been a while. I'm itching. tired just thinking about him. We had him on, uh, on this show last night, 24 hours ago. Yeah, that Holy takes cow. Some ama amazing uh, stamina <laughs> and strength. So congrats to him. No kidding. Well, uh, unfortunately, some bad news uh, in the sports because uh, the Lions got the news they did not want to hear today. Nathan Rourke was uh, going to need surgery on that injured foot. Could be done for the year. They're hopeful, crossing their fingers, that perhaps he could return late in the season, maybe for playoffs. But uh, right now it's surgery, and uh, they're going to have to get along without their star quarterback. So we'll talk about that when we come back. Okay, sounds good. Barry Yvonne, we'll see you both soon. Coming up, the homegrown wrestling star who says his success has left him humbled. I think it reminded me that the journeys, I'm not on the journey by myself. The community support bolstering a local athlete who's made it big on the world stage. His story after the break. The special stories that shape our province, as suggested by our viewers. This is BC with Jay Durant. Real people, real stories. This is BC with Jay Durant is brought to you in part by Van Cam Freightways, BC owned and operated for 75 years. Welcome back. Well, no one succeeds alone. That's the tenet Abbotsford wrestler Jasmit Singh Folka has long lived by. And as Jay Durant reports in This Is BC, it is serving him well in his push to the Olympics. It was cool. Um, I think it was a good feeling. Years of hard work and dedication. A bronze medal at the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham, England was great, but it was the connection with the local Sikh community that really touched Jasmit Singh Folka. The love and support, the messages were overwhelming. Uh, I think I couldn't go anywhere without someone coming up for a picture or something. Um, it, it was pretty cool. 
He was a fan favorite. There was a special moment before the games closed. A bunch of people approached me and they said that, you know, you represent the six uh, proudly and um, with honor and we really like the way you competed and we want to try a tribute onto you uh, before you head into the closing ceremonies. And I thought it was a real big honor. Polka has spent close to two decades working to get to this level, first following his older brother into wrestling, raised in a family that's always excelled in sports. My dad and my grandpa had a background in uh, kabaddi, an Indian sport, and then, you know, my dad supported us fully and never turned back since. Uh, this is the first trophy in our family. Um, this is my dad's trophy from back in the day. Despite all the hours of training, Folka finds time to help others. He's bought pizza for the Salvation Army and Abbotsford flood victims. We just loaded up. We're taking the Beast of Children's Hospital in the morning tomorrow. And his annual Christmas toy drive has been a big success. I think the first year we raised almost 14,000. The second year we raised a little bit over 20,000. It's off one Instagram post. This time around. He just missed out on qualifying for the last Olympics. Seeing his fan base grow at the Commonwealth Games has given him a big boost to make it to Paris in 2024. This medal probably means the most to me. It is my Pan-Olympic Qualifier Bronze Medal. It showed me I was that close to going to Olympic Games. I'm not on the journey by myself. I think that was the humbling part of all of it. It showed me the love and support, and it showed me that I'm with millions of people. You know, I'm not here by myself. And it's Canada defeating New Zealand. Jasmine Polka. Jay Durant, Global News. And if you have a great BC story to suggest for Jay, email your ideas to thisisbc at globalnews.ca. Coming up, Barry's back with sports. Plus, so delicious they're out of this world. How aeronautic engineers helped invent the many donuts. Squire Barnes with a story you do not want to miss. That's in just a few minutes. Stay with us. Global BC wants to see you at the PE Fair. Catch all the fun at this end of summer tradition from attractions and entertainment to food and rides and the stories that make it all come alive. The PE Fair in partnership with Global BC. The PE is back for the 112th annual fair. Continue the summer tradition with can't miss attractions and entertainment, including the Super Dogs and the return of the summer night concerts. Plus, enjoy all the fun, games, rides, vendors, and treats you can eat. Head to the Queen Elizabeth Theatre to see Come From Away, a heartwarming show about the true story of 7,000 stranded passengers during 9-11 and the small town in Newfoundland that granted them a warm welcome. Tickets available at broadwayacrosscanada.ca. Brought to you in part by PE. Fill up on fun at the PE Fair. Don't miss the Superdog Summer Night Concerts, lots of food and thrilling rides. Celebrate to the fullest at the PE Fair. Welcome back. Barry is back mm -hmm. with some pretty sad news for the BC Lions. Yeah, it was kind of mm -hmm. not really unexpected. You're yeah. kind of hoping maybe for a miracle of some sort, but uh, not happening. All right, thanks very much, Sarah. The uh, Lions' worst fears were realized today when it was revealed Nathan Rourke will require surgery on his right foot. He has something called a Lisfranc sprain, which is an injury to the bones or ligaments in the middle of the foot. Certainly very painful. He can't put weight on the foot. Now, the Lions are hopeful with the surgery happening right away and rehab. Rourke may be available very late in the season, perhaps the playoffs, but that may be wishful thinking. Usually this injury takes three to six months to heal after a surgery, but he's a young man, has a lot of determination, and only time will tell if he can 
make it back this season. He was on pace to challenge Doug Flutie's all-time single-season passing record of 66-19. He was at 3,281 yards through nine games. The Lions say Michael O'Connor will get the start this Friday at BC Place against the Rough Riders. It'll be the first CFL start for him. And the former UBC star, O'Connor, has only attempted 37 passes in his brief three-year career for a touchdown. But, hey, the Lions have had success with Canadian quarterbacks, obviously, this year. Why not with O'Connor as well? Give the Whitecaps credit. They battled hard last night on the road, playing more like a team desperate to make the playoffs than they did a week ago in their previous road game, which was a 5-2 thrashing at the hands of the L.A. Galaxy. It keeps the Whitecaps above the playoff line with just seven matches to go in the regular season. The Whitecaps won an impressive 2-1 match Wednesday at home, but a tough turnaround at altitude in Salt Lake City. They needed some big saves from their young goalkeeper, Thomas Hassall, a scintillating stop here to punch away a missile off the foot of Jefferson Savarino. One of the best saves of the year and the kind of saves you need when you're on the playoff bubble. Caps fell behind a goal, but in the 87th minute, Ryan Gauld whips one into the box from distance, and Julian Gressel, a fantastic header to the corner, his first goal as a white cap, and Vancouver does it again. How many times have they scored late to rescue a point? 1-1 the final. They're back to seventh with seven games to go. I've had a couple of chances over the last few weeks, I think, to score my first for Vancouver. And um, I always said it after, I was like, I'm going to score when we really need it. And, and, you know, I guess that moment was there today. And, uh, yeah, it was a good point. You know, I think we deserved it. We had the travel, the altitude. I think uh, we did one of the best performances of the season, to be honest. Uh, it's a bonus point for uh, uh, to try to get this win on the road uh, in order to enter the playoff. All right, check out some Premier League. Newcastle hosting Manchester City. This was a huge upset in the making already up 2-1. Newcastle tack on a third. Kieran Trippier with the sensational free kick. Newcastle is up 3-1. 54th, Newcastle, uh, Man City, they'll respond right away. Kevin De Bruyne to the back post, eventually bounces out to Erling Holland, the young Norwegian star with his third EPL goal already in his rookie season. And it's 3-2. And then four minutes later, De Bruyne, beautiful pass to Bernardo Silva, who finishes Man City. Avoid the big upset. They draw three all with Newcastle. That means Arsenal lead the standings with nine points. Man City next with seven. Also today, Leeds United and Chelsea. And Leeds takes the lead thanks to a blunder by Chelsea goalkeeper Edward Mendy. The American Brendan Aronson with the pressure. Mendy all twisted in knots. It's a steal, it's a goal, and a little bit of embarrassment for Mendy. 1-0 Leeds with the early advantage. And they get another later in the half off the free kick. Aronson with the service. Rodrigo Moreno heads it home and leads United, putting the boots to Chelsea. 3-0 the final. Leads off to a great start. Seven points through three games. Final round of the BMW Championship. Only the top 30 in the standings move on to the Tour Championship next week in Atlanta. Ontario's Taylor Pendrith needed to get in the top four to get to the top 30. Well, he makes an eagle here on 14. It goes down. That got him to 34th in the live rankings, but needed to at least get another birdie coming home. Couldn't do it. Still tied for eighth for a Pendrith. Strong rookie season on the PGA Tour. Another Ontario golfer, Corey Connors, right on the bubble in 30th as he played the 15th. Clutch birdie putt there. He made bogeys his two previous holes. And then on 16, check this out. He's one of the pure ball strikers in the world. And, uh, well, this is pretty pure. Spins it back. 
to about six inches from the hole. Taps in for another birdie. And Connors wasn't done yet on 18. He makes sure he has a place in Atlanta next week. Yet another fantastic shot from 104 yards out. Three birdies in his last four holes. Connors finished tied fifth in the tournament, 24th in the FedEx standings. So he's on his way to Atlanta. Abbotsford's Adam Hadwin fell short. He finished 61st in the FedEx standings. Patrick Cantley won this tournament and the Tour Championship, uh, championship last year to win it all. Hadn't won an individual tournament on the PGA Tour since, but the guy seems to enjoy the pressure. Great approach on 17, gave him a one-shot lead over Scott Stallings, and then taps in for the win at 18. Patrick Cantley wins the BMW for a second straight year. He's number two in the standings, right behind world number one Scotty Scheffler, who was tied third this week. The winner next week banks 18 million U.S. dollars. Baseball today, Jays going for the four-game sweep at Yankee Stadium, top third. Yanks up one nothing, but Whit Merrifield ties it. This first home run as a Blue Jay, you could say he got a friendly bounce or two. Check out this one more time. It hits the top of the wall, bounces up, bounces off the wall again and over for a homer. How bizarre is that? Jays will take it. It's 1-1. Bottom of the fifth, Alec Manoa working to Aaron Judge, the MVP of the AL this year, and he plunks him and Judge didn't like it. Manoa said afterwards it wasn't intentional. But Yankees pitcher Garrett Cole had some uh, words for Manoa, kind of got into it. The Yankees and Jays, of course, are bitter, are bitter AL East rivals, but uh, nothing came of it. Now 2-2 in the seventh. Adam Simber pitching to Andrew Benintendi, and he turns on it. Two-run homer to right. Yankees salvage a game in the series. The Blue Jays, Mariners, and Tampa all tied for the AL wildcard. They have a two-and-a-half game lead over Minnesota. There's just six weeks left in the Major League Regular season, the Jays well positioned for the playoffs, at least for now. Also tonight, the Red Sox and Orioles playing where the kids play at the Little League World Series in Williamsport. Great experience for the kids awesome to mingle right with their major That's league heroes. And Victoria's Nick Pavetta starting for Boston. Had a very good night. Gave up two in the first. A little bit of bad luck, but he was great after that. It's the uh, strikeout here with that nasty curveball of his. He had a strong outing. Nine strikeouts. Over five and two-thirds innings for Pavetta. Just two runs allowed, but the uh, Red Sox are down right now 2-1 in the eighth inning in Williamsport. Vancouver's Little Mountain had the weekend off in Williamsport. They get back at it tomorrow afternoon at 2 o'clock our time against Mexico. So far, the Canadian champs are 2-0 after shutting out Australia 7-0 and then a very impressive 6-0 shutdown of the always powerful Japanese team on Friday. It's a double elimination tournament. They haven't lost, so the kids from Little Mountain have at least two more games left. But they have to be thinking about trying to become the first Canadian team to ever win the Little League World Series. We can dream, can't we? I mean, they have a good team. Yeah, they've, they've been great defensively. They're not like a big power-hitting team, but their coach really uh, kind of... Uh, emphasizes the fundamentals and they're playing really Absolutely. well. So And we are all cheering for them. That's right. And they're televised. We'll have highlights tomorrow on the news there. Okay, looking yeah. forward to that. Okay. Coming up, the cosmic connection behind those delicious mini donuts we all love. Stay with us. It's coming up. From the stories that touch us all to the events happening all around us. When BC needs to connect, BC turns to the source that brings us together. Global News. Connect. I think there are still questions.
questions that need to be answered here. This was a high risk, high reward strategy. So we wanted to set the record straight. But at the end of the day, we talk. And where we talk is right here at CKNW. Well, most of us may think of mini donuts as synonymous with the PE, but Squire Barnes has a cosmic curveball for all of us tonight with details on the donuts and the family who brought them to the fair in the first place. Let's face it, there are a lot of people whose PE visit would not be complete without a bag of mini donuts. And this year, the first family of Canadian mini donuts is back at the PE after a 10 year hiatus. This is a brand new business that my husband and I started, but we are third generation mini donut makers. They are the descendants of a company that used to be called Tom Thumb Donuts, which was brought north from the United States by their grandfather, Eldrick Johnson. Uh, he started in Minnesota. He did some fairs in the U.S. and he uh, saw that there, there was no mini donut in Western Canada, so he built the route from Winnipeg and uh, he added Vancouver in 1971. Now the key to any mini donut stand is the machine that makes the donuts and apparently we can all thank the aerospace industry for that. Yeah, it, it was basically built out of leftover World War II airplane parts uh, by an aerodynamics contractor in the late 40s. The story is that engineers from Ryan Aeronautical of San Diego, for some reason, decided to attack our sweet tooth with a mini donut machine when they weren't finding ways to attack the enemy with things like this. No one really knows how, you know, how anyone came up with a, a mini donut machine out of those parts. That, that is one of the, the magic mysteries of this. But to have one, you have to basically know the schematics and build them yourself. It's, I mean, the, the, the machines themselves are, are new. They're, you know, it, it's all, you know, kind of brand new that we custom built. But yeah, the actual concept is 70 years old and it still works like a champ. What also still works is the love for the mini donut itself. And that's apparently not just because of how it tastes. I think it, I mean, people love to see them being made. And I think that was something that my, my grandfather clued into early on is that it's the presentation because it, it's entertaining, it's mesmerizing. You, you know exactly what you're getting and it's fun to watch. And I think that that's really the magic of it. That is so cool. Fun to watch and delicious to eat as well. Can I say something? I, I respect Squire as a journalist. I just thought there were a lot of holes in that story. <laughs> That's two for two. That's two for two. That's two for two for tonight, Barry. You're done, Barry Delay. Okay. I'm shut my mic off, please. Yeah. <laughs> Quick look at weather, Yvonne, before we go. Uh, we are going to continue to track the heat. Uh, similar to what we're seeing this morning, so heads up tomorrow morning. There will be some cloud cover. It'll dissipate. We have plenty of sunshine. One of the hottest days so far will be on our Wednesday. Okay, sounds good. That's <laughs> it for us tonight. Thank you for sharing your Sunday with us. Have a great evening. We'll see you right back here at 11 o'clock tonight. Good night. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. <laughs> and Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone. Like Andy's kid. 
<laughs> For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.